Welcome to Non-Fungible Rebels, a podcast where creators, tech, internet culture, crypto and marketing meet each other. It's me, Annie Alexander, and in each episode, me and the Rebels will have a real unscripted talk, share genuine opinions, and show raw emotions. Should we start? Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Non-Fungible Rebels podcast. Today, I'm talking to Ingi Erlingston. He's the chief content officer at Doodles and also the founder of Golden Wolf. So very happy to meet you. We were at the same panel at uh, Zebu Live back in November. Was it November or October last year? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and and our panel was about communities, which everyone by now already knows that I'm super passionate about. And it feels like, you know, not only my audience, but also event organizers, because those are the topics that I usually cover on events as well. And and yeah, it was very interesting sort of that most of us on that panel were more or less on the same page and while approaching uh, communities and and thinking about how what role do they play and how we should sort of uh, grow them organically or you know not I mean depending on situations so so yeah I'm very happy to have you over thank you and welcome thanks for and, having me. Uh, so let's talk about I know that Obviously, in the very beginning, everyone has different avenues that they took to end up at this crazy space that we are at. <laughs> so I know that, you know, you your business was acquired by Doodles. So I probably, you know, we can start by that business and, you know, what you were doing there before you sort of ended up getting into the space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I started out, it's going back to the very beginning. I started out in doing graffiti when I was a teenager and got really, really, really into that. But then on the educational side, I was more interested in like business and economics. Like I was gonna, I was gonna study economics at university, and then I ended up doing an art class, kind of because I didn't get on with my business studies teacher. <laughs> Coincidentally, the, the art teacher was the the business studies teacher's husband. And he was just like, look, like you clearly got talent for art, you know, like you should consider it like, you know, and I'd, I've never really thought about art as a career, but ended up doing it, went into art, ended up working at a company called I Love Dust, which was an illustration studio at the time. This is around 2006. And around that time, it was kind of the beginning of the like digital animation, like mm-hmm. thing before that. You know, it was live action. The most adverts were live action or like, you know, photography campaigns and that kind of stuff. But animation was really taking hold in, in, in advertising. So all illustrators and illustration studios wanted to get into animation. And I was the only person there that had like a little bit of experience with it. So I kind of took that on, you know, as my as my thing and like built a department within within Isla Dust. Grew it to about 10 people. Like We opened up a, a separate office for it. And then a few years later, it was like two different companies. It was like one that was, you know, the illustration side, one that was the animation side, but like totally separate staff, like totally different people. And in the end, that's where Golden Wolf came from. So we kind of built the company from the department that I'd grown within there. So that was in 2000. So we kind of came into animation, like not really, not really knowing much about the animation industry, even about how to make animation. Like we kind of made up as we went along, which I think was a strength for us because we weren't bound by the kind of rules of the game, if that makes sense. You know, like we were kind of, yeah. people would come in, like freelancers would come in and go like, that character's not designed for animation. We're like, that's all right. Like we like the way it's designed. You know, it was, you know, obviously kind of harder for people to 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 work with us maybe or, or, or kind of work with the styles that we were doing. But as a result of that, like people were starting to notice us, like we were doing very different stuff mm. to other people. And we ended up being one of the first studios to, really embrace animate like digital animation and design for the internet so at the time like platforms like tumblr were like basically just artists or you know porn or whatever like it was like a lot of different stuff but it was mainly individuals putting stuff on there and like we we started like an, a golden wolf tumblr page that started getting like, loads and loads of traction because we were making professional animation like just for that page and then Instagram came along and like all the social media networks and everything. 
And we just kind of started doing the same thing on there. And like really, that really got our name out there. Because like, the, 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 at the time, there wasn't very many studios doing art for the internet, you know. And I think now that's such mm-hmm. a con, you know, obviously the whole NFT scene is kind of based around like digital art for the internet. But at the time, that wasn't really, it was only really kind of the realm of individual artists. And yeah, so I mean, we we kind of kind of got like we did a music video for <clears throat> for a band called Dog Blood, which was Skrillex and Boys Noise. And from that, we ended up getting kind of discovered by the executive team at Cartoon Network, who got us working on a bunch of stuff. And honestly, from there, like everything just kind of escalated. We did a big 20th anniversary spot for them that kind of featured every single one of their characters, like. Yeah, I mean, what was it Scooby Doo and like mm, Dexter's yeah. Lab and absolutely everything that they they'd done before, which was super cool. And we actually ended up doing so we featured Powerpuff Girls in it, and then eventually we ended up doing the opening titles for the new Powerpuff Girls, probably like based off off of us having done that. So, so yeah, so like over the over the next like you know seven eight years, we just worked for like every. Every Fortune 500 company, like, you know, we, we kind of practically work for every, like, large brand, the Nikes and the Coca-Colas and Amazon and Netflix and all, all of those people. And, and yeah, so now we do a mixture of advertising and stuff for, for like, the broadcast space. So, like, we do we did a lot of opening titles for, for DuckTales. We got nominated for an Emmy for that. We've done um, like segments of shows. We've done like a minute long segment for for a movie called The Monkey King fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then basically, I guess around the lockdown, we, well, I, I got into crypto like at the same time as everyone else <laughs> or most other people. You know, I saw the, I was on Reddit a lot. You know, I saw the Wall Street bet stuff happening. You know, I was just like, what, mm-hmm. what is this? You know, like you start getting interested in that. And I think, same as a lot of other people, like, you know, I, I tried to buy some stocks and I just didn't, had no idea what I was doing. It was awkward. So then through that, discovering crypto and being like, well, I could just put kind of, I'll just put 50, 50 pounds into this one or whatever and just see what happens. And that happened to be Bitcoin, obviously. And and that was during the kind of, what was it, 20, 20, 2020, like bull run or something where like, Every day I was looking at the number going up and up and up, and you know, I put sixty quid in, and all of a sudden it was seventy, and I'm like, I should put more money into this, you know? And like, <laughs> that's that's the thing, right? It, yeah, it's just, yeah. So that, that's the way we think about it. Like, we should have put more, and then the next time yeah. you put more, and then it goes down, and then you're like, exactly. oh, okay, so, didn't work yeah. exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I I kind of like decided on an amount that I was going to invest it in. It was like a decent amount of money. And, you know, I, I watched it double and I was like, maybe when it triples, I'll take my money out. And then it was like, it would have tripled if it had got to $70,000 and then it got to 69 and then it went, went down and I was riding it all the way down. And I, I bought, I bought a bit, bit of Ethereum and a few other things. And I discovered, I discovered NFTs at sort of in, at the beginning of 2021. So like, just like sort of shortly after that. I bought my first one in October 2021. And Which one was yeah, it? Once. So kind of awkwardly, it was a doodles derivative called Koodles. It was a cool cats and doodles <laughs> combination thing. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I think at the time, like doodles had just already skyrocketed. So like I wouldn't have been able to afford it. But so when all the cryptos started declining, you know, I just thought, you know what? Like I'm not going to wait around for this to go to zero. I'm going to just buy NFTs with this money. So shifted shifted to NFTs, and at the time, work wise, like a lot of people, like a lot of Web three companies were getting animations commissions, and so we we ended up getting a few briefs and and doing a few projects with NFT brands or with with Web three brands. And what we noticed was that there was very few people in my space, like in the animation space, that really understood the NFT space or understood the Web three space. There's a lot of people that yeah. were against it, you know, that didn't that you know because yeah. of because of you know certain the bad reputation that we yeah, have yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah like some of the bad reputation some mis- misinformation and stuff like that you know yeah. there really wasn't that many people that really understood it so we just ended up getting a lot more more calls and a lot more briefs because we spoke the same language and we really understood what was going on yeah and then through through that through that and you know some mutual friends we ended up working with doodles 
Okay, sounds good. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 fascinating that when when people actually discover the space, and when they start getting it, like they they kind of resonate with the vibe and with the communities and with the whole ethos of why it was made. It's very rare that they leave, no matter whether it's a bull or or bear market, right? Mm. It's, it's because it's not. I mean, many come for the money, but stay for something else. Otherwise, they wouldn't be around. So it's yeah. it's interesting to see like all these different ways that led people to it. And then, you know, the fact, I think, you know, there were two things that you said that really resonated with me. First, when we were talking about the animation studio and that, you know, you were doing things differently, which is exactly why it helped you stand out much easier yeah. above the crowd and kind of, you know, get noticed. Because, because yeah, we very often, we end up sort of, you know, getting the best practices or seeing what works and then copying it and, you know, and, and doing it again and again, because we were expecting the same results. Right. So I think that was very interesting. And, and that, I mean, talking about copying back in those days, when we had this boom of 10 K PFP projects, everyone was copying and rinsing and repeating the same blueprint, right? 10,000 copies, 0.08 ETH mint. And and in the beginning, it was like all sorts of animals and then different sorts of women avatar collections. And like there were different sorts of trends going Mm. on. But but at at its essence, it was the same thing over and over again. Maybe I think goblin towns were the, the first ones who sort of ended up with this new trend which was like we don't promise you anything no roadmap no this no whatever like this is yeah. it you know take it but but again every time something was coming up everyone was copying it and then it was flooded with similar stuff again and again and again yeah which is probably why when when the market started cooling off pe- people were talking so much about even back then utility of the token and all that stuff yeah. At the end of the day, many ended up with the conclusion that the only utility was the community. But then if the community is dying, then it essentially you're you're losing kind of even that. So mm. so where are we at at the moment? And and all these PFP projects ended up kind of, you know, disappearing, most of them. So some of them stayed around and many are looking for different avenues and different ways of of building as being built as a sustainable business which initially mm. probably wasn't really the the main sort of goal or idea in the beginning so what are do you think like the main avenues the main things that they're looking into like there are some some are going into the ip routes some are going into the community routes and you mm. know gaming uh, building web3 games etc like which yeah. are the the big sort of you know trends of of these pivots that big projects are doing at the moment yeah, I think like, I guess like as someone who's like, I guess like relatively new to the space, like I've worked in the space for a year and I've kind of been watching it for another year, but I wasn't like fully around in the in the bull run, you know, of, of 20, which I'm kind of kind of happy about, you know, like it probably would have been too much of a roller coaster like to, to, to have started kind of at the, at the beginning of that. But I think that like one one thing that kind of has always stuck out to me about the space and maybe you know a problem that maybe we're starting to see now is that the way the projects were being built at the time and as you say like you know it was kind of everyone's just kind of trying the same thing or like trying to repeat a model the problem with that is like yes it works very well in the short term but your front loading your front loading value or like your front or your or maybe the opposite like your or people are assuming that the value will come later right with it mm-hmm. with anything buying into and that's you know that's obviously the same with, you know, you you invest in, you know, early Tesla or whatever, like, you know, you assume that this company is going to become big or whatever. And, you know, that's obviously just part of the speculative game of, of you know, buying and selling anything. But I think that model, you know, without there being like a tangible value to the thing that you're buying at the time, it's very difficult to to sustain that long term. And I think, I think, and I think like, now you're starting to, you know, you've seen a few kind of big brands like outside of Web3 try to come into Web3, you know, like Porsche did it, like, like there's, a, there's a, you know, Louis Vuitton have done it. And I think in those cases, it's interesting because the value of the brand has already been created. So like you're, 
and it's obviously you're not buying a share or anything like that but like you know you're there's still something like potentially tangible there because the 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 thing exists already it's not it's not purely speculative but but yeah i think i think the the projects that have have you know stuck it through the the bear and like are still here i think you know most of them are, are starting to try and figure out like what is the kind of you know what is the business model that is is sustainable like you know we talk about this kind of membership to a community like which like uh, you know as you were saying like community is such a big part of this like you know it's become a huge part of my life you know just from being in the space like i i you know it wouldn't be the same without it um but i think a lot of people are you know they 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 expect more than just a community because they feel like they can probably get that for free somewhere potentially yeah. get that free somewhere and obviously the issue with any kind of system like the nfc system is that someone buys in at the beginning you know whether it's 0.08 or whether it's more or whatever like a, a, a small amount there was 5% royalties up front or, or whatever like for for a while and now, but now you have a have have a scenario where most projects are in a situation where there isn't any income any income from anyone buying and selling it anymore. So yeah. there's less pressure on the speculation because because some projects are just less incentivized to like push the floor price up and like and I think that or, or or maybe they're less capable of it because they don't have the funds because they're not being funded by 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 secondary revenue anymore. And so I think a lot of projects are looking at external sources of income and 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 quite frankly should do i think i i yeah. i'm i'm of the opinion that web3 companies shouldn't just make their money in web3 you know because that's kind of like it it's a that becomes a zero-sum game and like you're just kind of harvesting more and more of this like limited pool of money that there is like within the community whereas yeah. and you know and you, pushing the same person from one project yeah. like you're basically competing for the same group of people all the exactly, time exactly yeah like you know one yeah or eight price went down a bit and pudgies went up a bit you know like you, you can see where the money's going and it is the same pool of money whereas you know if they're if people find ways of like sustainably finding customers that you know want their products outside of web3 like pudgy penguins you know are selling like millions of toys you know that is a that is a is is a good stream of of income and it allows them to do things within web3 and with their community um that doesn't cost their community the world you know and i think i think that's that's a that's an interesting business model and something that i think more and more brands will do we're looking at very much looking at like storytelling being like the thing that anchors everything and then we are doing toys you know we're we're doing all kinds of like merchandise around that but like some of it of course will be bought by web3 but like the goal is to to build a brand that lives outside of that and can like stand like shoulder to shoulder with with other entertainment brands. But I think that's yeah. that's key really is like, you know, can a web3 brand live just in web3? Sure, probably. Like Azuki for example, although I think that they're, they're breaking out now with their their anime but like their community Yeah, focused. I think they are exploring some stuff yeah. outside as well, but, yeah. But they're like the way that they manage their like community and like the sort of the world around that and the kind of exclusive membership thing that they have i think that mm. potentially that could be sustained you know that's like a, it's like a, people pay a lot of money to be part of soho house you know like be part of something yeah. like bigger than themselves yeah i think there is potential for that that to have longevity but not it doesn't work for everyone so i think like it's 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 really cool to see the different things that people are doing but yeah as you say like obviously it's not it's, it's not worked for everyone and like you know, Doodles was very lucky to get external investments, so that we're pretty well placed to to to, mm. to handle that and to kind of you know build build the kind of entertainment property outside, like sort of on top of the 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 NFT stuff that we have going going on as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's you know as you said, like if you start going out and and provide services, products, or any other value to to the people outside Web three then you're basically bridging the both worlds together, right? Yeah. Most probably, you know, you're figuring out how to actually sort of in a very easy user-friendly manner sort of, you know, onboard people to Web3 without them even realizing that they're getting an NFT because that, that's the only time it will probably work out. Yeah. But also sort of take Web3 people who very often are in that vacuum in that bubble of sort of spending most of the time on twitter talking to other dungeons 
and then sort of, you know, diving into the charts, following the the numbers and, and the prices, and then going back to Discord server to engage with some community stuff and get some news there and stuff like that. And, they, and as a result, they end up sort of getting so deep into this stuff that they are get, you know, with the time they detach from the real world. So I feel like both groups will benefit, like the the outside group getting in and kind of getting a bit of understanding how this works without the steep learning curve, but also sort of the the legends sort of getting back to life a little bit, like, yeah, yeah, because there is a life outside this whole thing, right? But many just don't realize it because in their personal life, there's nothing else, right? So which is why probably we have all this toxicity and intensity of feelings and the whole drama thing, because if it's the only thing, the stakes are high, right? So you, yeah. you're, you're just focusing all your, all your energy to it. Yeah, so, so. yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say like something that you, that you mentioned there about like onboarding and people not realizing that they're buying an NFT. Like I think my firm belief is that the, the NFT the idea of NFTs, I think, will be will will become you know like a global thing in terms of you know ownership of a digital asset. I think will be obvious. Like you know, it's like and and that will probably be built into your files on your computer. I mean, you're already storing them in the cloud or whatever. You you feel like you own those files on the cloud, and it's 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 not a big leap to assume that like at some point all all files will just be automatically like on a blockchain somewhere. But I think like the the there's a really good analogy that a lot of people have brought up to me about about nfts where or the or the or the, that culture and that's like that's like football culture or sports culture in general mm-hmm. where like on one hand it's like people want the drama because they want to like like you follow the teams or like the stuff that happens outside of a game is just as interesting as the games if not more interesting it's like who's selling who who said what to who like this mm-hmm. manager yeah. this this athlete's just been bought for a billion dollars or whatever like that stuff's super interesting. And I think like the, the the position we're in now is that we've got people that are super passionate and like super deep in the trenches, as you mentioned, like the DGENs, like, and I think some some of them I think are, are so deep in the trenches that they feel like onboarding means that everyone becomes like them. But that's kind of like, you sure. know, the 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 yeah. football, the football maxis or the hooligans or whatever going, why isn't everyone who likes football like us? Right. And it's like no, you need that passionate core and you need the people with the season tickets and the people that go to the, like that one pub before the game or whatever. And and then you've got the millions and millions around the world that watch you on TV. But yep. the millions and millions of people that watch you on TV are bringing so much money to the teams that it makes the experience more interesting for the people that are the hardcores, right? And the and, and all the, and the stuff that they can get out of it. Whereas, you know, you, otherwise, you, you know, if you're supporting like a, fourth league team or whatever like your experience is very different because you don't have that outside group of people who yeah or might not come to the games but because they're paying so much money for subscriptions for watching the games and and participating in different ways or buying merch and you know all over the world the games wouldn't be what they are and you wouldn't have the players that you have and all that sort of stuff so i think i think we're kind of at that place where you know web3 is 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 kind of like a you know, a slightly lower level football league right now. And we're working our way up to like the big leagues, which would be like the general public. But the way that new people and audiences come into it has to change. Like, like you can't, like the average person can't figure out how to buy an NFT in under like four hours, I don't think. It's just no, too complicated. No. Right? It's like it's, you got yeah, a wallet. I mean, just getting a wallet is, is yeah. all right. Like, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I get well, that. And, and that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that also comes to to the point of sort of that that whole decentralization maxis versus yeah, decentralization is a spectrum kind of thing, etc. Yeah. Because I think the challenge here is that very often, not always, but very often, sort of you have this trade-off where if you want to keep complete things completely decentralized, they they stop being user friendly to some extent because of that whole kind of getting a wallet and and linking it up and all that stuff. While you can do more centralized experiences, but then it's centralized and the whole idea of, of the space is kind of getting lost. Like centralized mm-hmm. exchanges, right? We need them, they're useful, etc. But it's it's no different than than banks. 
So, so yeah, it's, I, I think that's, that's kind of, situations are different. Like we shouldn't really think about that in all cases, absolute complete decentralization is a solution. In some corporates, it may not be. And in some, some cases, private blockchains may be the solution for some yeah. stuff. So I think like getting, becoming too fanatic about everything is a bit, so not very useful in that sense because situations are different. But the, the thing you said about dungeons and, and I think it's also about human nature in general is that we, it's very hard for us to put ourselves in some, someone else's shoes. So we always kind of look it through our own frames. Uh, and obviously for Dajans, it's like, yeah, yeah, what? You're not interested in this? Like, you're never going to make it. And like, okay, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned something else that I'm super passionate about as a fiction author, which was storytelling. Mm. Obviously, that's, I mean, we, when we spoke about on the panel, we mentioned that as, as, you know, some of the ways to sort of emotionally connect with your audience and converge them into community, have them become part of the story uh, and all that stuff, right? So, so storytelling, like what role does it play in, in your guys' uh, community building efforts and mm. how are you approaching it at Doodles? Yeah, so <clears throat> so we when Golden Wolf was acquired by Doodles, I think it went through in like April of 2023. The it was essentially, you know, it was a collection of 10,000 images. There was characters there, but uh, none had been defined. You know, it was it was maybe people who had bought the PFPs had kind of like made characters around themselves or their or their PFPs, but there was no like official characters. So essentially, our role coming in was to to figure out like what is that fictional world and like how do we kind of build that into into the brand i think like if you look at i mean especially with the kind of the 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 growth of ai and like you know kind of like how easy it is to generate images now you know you can look at a picture of you know of a of a teddy bear and you can look at a picture of winnie the pooh like which one are you going to have a stronger emotional reaction to it's going to be the one that you know and you recognize and you love and you've seen those stories right and and really, like the the there's so much art and, and imagery on the internet that you know, in order for people to really feel that emotional connection, you know, obviously if you buy an NFT, sure, you're going to feel something. You know, if you're using a using it for your PFP, you will. But I think in order to create that depth, there needs to be a story there, and certainly for people to be able to create tell their own stories, there needs to be like the main law, right? And and yeah. what we're creating is so we've 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 done a a fair amount of work, like not not all of it's kind of out and out in public yet, but you know we've we've released or we kind of announced two main characters, Hap and Mello, like a, a boy and boy and his cat, who are kind of like the some of the main protagonists in the, in our world, and we've been working with a, a really talented writer who was on Adventure Time for like ten years to like evolve or write write a script. So we've done like a long form script that we we've, we've just started production on. And we're building out this like law bible and world around it. But what what the goal of it all is, and what we want to create is essentially what is a transmedia storytelling world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. So you think about like a, one of the best examples of that is 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 the Star Wars, where <clears throat> you have you have the six original movies, then you have like the Mandalorian or like all those kind of things. And to be honest, like the Mandalorian came out of like fans being obsessed by this character who didn't really say anything in the movies like just this random side character and within star wars there's been like fan fiction and lore that's become a reality where they've kind of take pick pieces and like put it into new into new movies or tv shows and stuff and essentially what you do is you create all these kind of official storytelling moments whether they're movies or tv shows or or, or shorts or whatever whatever have you and you tell stories about parts of your universe, but you leave enough gaps for people to be able to imagine things that happen in between them. And mm-hmm. so what we're building, building is we're, you know, we've done a, we're doing a lot of like, you know, short form content for social media, which is kind of very bite-sized, very easy for someone who doesn't understand the brand to get into, very kind of top, top of funnel, yeah. easy, easy to, like easy entry. And then we're doing more like more specific storytelling that is going to start to reveal what our universe is but with enough gaps so that people feel like they could create a story around their character that would make sense in this world so like um yeah. so you know we, we're 
relaunching our website at the moment where like you know at, at some stage not too, in the not too distant future like people will be able to kind of bring their ideas to the table about like what what their characters are and like, we're already kind of experimenting with that on 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 social media like seeing you know asking people to like tell tell us their stories about their their doodles or like mm-hmm. what what would they do if it was in a tv show what would their character be like would it be would it be a, a good or or an evil character or like you know neutral or whatever so i think like we're we're kind of we're starting to kind of push that out and like the the main thing for us is like to make sure that our community feels connected to it and feels involved in it and like Mm-hmm. Not just kind of bring it out in a way where it's just like, here's Star Wars, you know. This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which there's going to be some of that, of course, because like I think official storytelling needs to be the official line, but we need to yeah. leave people that enough gap to like go out and and tell their stories and 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 not to not be like, not to be to get cease and desist every time they uh, they they try and add to it, you know. And like I think I think I'm sure we talked about this when when we did the panel, but like really like the, the the strongest thing about web3 is this like community like marketing effect you know like if you have 10,000 nfts and maybe like 5,000 holders and maybe a thousand of those are like online or every day and like super passionate about the brand then you know you've got this multiplier effect on everything that you do so if whether it's writing the stories or whether it's like getting the stories out there or just like making sure that these these things on social media go viral because the algorithms love it when people pile on and, and start liking things quickly. Yeah. It's it's super important for the for the success of anything in this in this world, really. Like and I think that's what that's what web two and traditional brands are lacking now. It's like, you know, they're like in entertainment, they're all hoping that, you know, the box office and that one big movie moment is gonna gonna make them all the money. And like what they're finding more and more is that they're not even making up the amount of money that they spent on them in the box office because audiences are elsewhere and they're engaged in different ways. And I yeah, think web is true. part of the solution to that. Well, like certainly the way communities are built around, around projects and brands. Yeah. I think like, you know, the way communities work in web three, it, there is a lot to learn in, in a sense that the, the level of the emotional connection and the level of kind of it's, it's borderline cults, not even a community. It becomes borderline calls depending who the leaders are and how they approach this, right? But mm-hmm. like turning that initial sort of, you know, default excitement into a cultish thing, it's not very difficult the way the communities start in Web3, right? Because they are tuned into sort of, you know, because of that intensity, because of that sort of concentration of the emotions and the time and effort spent around those communities, it, they are very, not only sort of invested with money, but also emotionally invested a lot. So they they are willing to do pretty much everything kind of that that they resonate with within the community. So I think there is there is a way to learn about okay how do you actually get people to to that state where they care about it so much that mm. you know they wouldn't do any of that in real life quote unquote with real life brands right because mm. if they did the same thing it would really look awkward and and very un you know unexplainable right and mm. and they wouldn't really do it so I, I think that's that's an interesting point in terms of how do you build a community which is kind of which still keeps the right balance and doesn't really get into this you know very extreme cultish dynamic which is mm. not good either but at the same time sort of you know has that healthy involvement engagement and sort of you know and participation around what you're initiating, right? So yeah. like, as you said, the storytelling, like how do you manage it so that, you know, you're getting the contributions, you're getting the good quality content, you're sort of having people stay excited about it after a while. Because sometimes very often, I guess, with communities, the other thing is that in the beginning, everyone is super excited, but then you have mm-hmm. to keep that excitement. Otherwise, yeah. like things start drying off and, and that, yeah they move on to to something else they 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 go to another discord server they go to another pfp project or whatever it is so keeping that and i think storytelling is good in a way that 
stories never end. Like you can come up with all these different sort of you know, build-ups on top of it and, and spin-offs and, and the story that happened before and the story that happened after and, and, sort of, and, and have a completely new sort of directions for each character separately and have a like, there is a plenty of things that can be done with stories. And, and I think that's, that's really nice approach. In terms of, like you mentioned merchandise related to the characters and related to the story itself, and and I presume I I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I presume most of that storytelling effort, like most of that the storytelling that you are putting together, is consumed by the existing audience, which are like existing holders mainly. So how are you sort of doing this kind of you know managing that challenge of non Web three people who see it in the shop? And don't really know much about the story or the character or who you are, sort of how how does that work? So I think at the moment, like where our big focus at the moment in terms of content is the short form social media content. Um actually like the the I think the the audience for that, because like Web3 is largely confined to to Twitter. I mean, obviously they are on other platforms, but like that's where they kind of get most of their most of their news. And like so. Our content's like probably like getting the most engagement on on Instagram, for example. Like oh, most of our okay. most of our posts get millions of views, and and uh, I would imagine that's not all all Web three. And really, the goal there is to so as I mentioned earlier, like those spots are very much framed in a way, oh, very much framed in a way where anyone who stumbles upon any of them should be able to understand it and find it funny or engaging. Um, so that's like not telling a linear story, not telling a story that relies on you knowing the character, that kind of stuff. And essentially the goal with that is to build a big enough audience so that, you know, when when we when we're, you know, creating a bigger, longer form thing, you know, like when we're when you know, making toys and and, and experiences around that, then we have that pre-built audience that like is bigger than bigger than what our web three audience is. But also, like we have, we have a like an in real life experience in Chicago. A, it's a toy store called Camp that's got like a secret door and then like an experience behind it, like a like a oh, full, okay. space where like you can run around with the kids and like experience brand. Like it's normally it's like Disney and Nike and those kind of brands that do experiences yeah. there. But we, we've got one in Chicago, and like I'd say like ninety nine percent of the audience there is like people who don't know the brand and. Interestingly, we've we've done we've done better than like most of the like big like Disney and like sort of big IP activations. I think in part because even though people might be like fans of them before, like I think Doodles is also they might have been fans of like you know like like Encanto or Bluey or whatever it might be that they, that they go to see. I think Doodles at the moment is kind of like a you know an, an approachable you know an approachable like sort of cartoonish experience for kids that. Maybe it doesn't feel like such a like corporate advertisement of like of, of a thing. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels yeah. maybe more of like a fresh a experience, something yeah. rather than just like the same thing that you watch at home. So maybe it's maybe it's even yeah. more interesting for the parents to like go and explore a new thing. So we've you know we've seen tens of thousands. If I don't know where, where the numbers are up to yet, but like seen an awful lot of people go through that. And what we're noticing is that people are getting to the end of it and they're like, well. What do I can I buy the book anywhere or like where do I watch the show? And we're like, well, that's yeah. not so we're kind of you know we're we're building that kind of storytelling and 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 lore out and like you know the, that universe of content both for our current audience because or web three audience because these are the people that we're building for, but also for the people that are discovering the brand from elsewhere and and want somewhere to go once they've experienced it. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, we we spoke about sort of you know the the PFP hype cycle and, you know, how important the the trading volumes, the floor prices, you know, everything related to the token from the financial perspective was so important, mm. both to the founders, but also to the holders and the audience mm. in general. Like those were the parameters where sort of, you know, quote unquote success was measured for projects, yeah. right? Those are, those were the things that people were looking into. With, with this whole sort of, you know, shift in the market and, and sort of, you know, this big change in terms of what's happening in that area, has that changed as well? Or, you know, how, how does the role of that whole matrix mm. play out at the moment? 
I think that you know, and and I'm I'm not a I'm not a uh, yeah, and, and it's not specifically for doodles. Oh, it's just you know, know your your opinions about yeah. No, no. What, what, what I mean what I mean is I'm not I'm not a I'm not a trader, so I don't I like 100 percent understand it from from that perspective. But I think that I mean floor price in particular, I think is is very important within Web three because it's a measure of sentiment. Like it's it's you know I personally don't think that it necessarily reflects like a success of anything. You know, I think like, I think everyone is pretty, you know, everyone will acknowledge that like it's, it's probably 75% hype, right? Like, and, and people want the hype, you know, like they, they, they want to feel like they're back in the right horse. You know, they want to feel like they're they're part of the right team, you know, like their team is beating the other team. And like, you know, so floor prices is, I think very important for that side of it. I mean, as far as like, as far as like kind of bringing value to people, I think floor price is a tricky one because it's only valuable to you if you buy in at the right time. Because you could buy in at the top or right. you could buy in at the bottom, and or, and, and you know if, it really only matters like greatly if you're, you know, if you're buying and selling and you're trying to make money in the short term. You know, I I I, I would imagine that you know if you have a floor price of a hundred ETH, you know, you probably feel pretty good about what you're holding. You know, regardless of of, of 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 what you put into it but i think i think largely the 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 floor prices are are a driver of sentiment and 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 in in that sense they're really important because you you know you're going to have a much more driven and 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 lively community if the floor price is higher but you know with it comes volatility as well i would imagine i mean i think we saw that in the in the bull market you know where everything was crazy crazy for everyone yeah i I think it's it's also about sort of you know again what type of community you're building right because if if as a result in most cases that's what happens in web3 is like you know yeah. you end up with a community of speculators right who are sort of who see as value the floor price and the future you know raise of the floor price right the problem is that when the floor price drops you you lose big part of your community because mm. that's how you attracted them and that's how you were keeping them involved if that's mm-hmm. the only thing and then it drops yeah. you know the other thing is like you know if it's too high like you know there is always a number in someone's head where you know you can't really hold on to it for much longer like it's such a number yeah. that you can't really you know you, you you just have to give it up right at some yeah. point so so i think that's uh, yeah with the floor price i think it's tricky because you know if, if that's the the main focus of your community then you're so dependent on something that doesn't even dep- like you can't control right so yeah. you're you're basically giving up the control over you know your community and your project in general by associating and linking the community sentiments to the floor price mainly yeah. I mean, that's, it's, that's where the risk is it's interesting right i mean i think i think you know it's just one of those side effects of, of of like the nft world in general kind of like being so based around a currency i mean i think it is interesting because blockchain on one hand is 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 a tool for you know like storing information but then it's built on top of a currency so it's like as if like as if like cloud cloud servers were built on the dollar or something you know it's like it sort of connects money to everything completely and what's and what's interesting is that you see people rallying for floor prices and pushing projects to to like you know do something you know why isn't the floor price higher but effectively they're they're telling they're telling projects to raise the floor price so they can leave, you know what I mean, and and, I, that, that, and which is, is an interesting dynamic when you think about the kind of the 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 role of community within Web three. It's like if we're if we're successful and we all win, we're going to go and back another team. You yeah, I mean? I, and I think that's another thing that you know everyone at their back of the head kind of has this fear or kind of realization that eventually you're going to end up being someone else's liquidity so maybe yeah. you should be the first right yeah. to get out so it's, it's it's always sort of this dynamic of okay when when is yeah. the important question and that when is very hard to predict because no matter who tells you what no one knows for sure you know yeah. what what the price movement will be and then it's about okay you know whoever tells you stuff 
how powerful he is in terms of attention capture yeah. and you know audience capture and then they yeah. can move markets so then the founder of the project kind of uh, is ends up becoming a hostage of this kind of influencers yeah. so to speak right which is crazy um, another crazy thing that i was kind of noticing in the past few days um based on my twitter timeline and the sentiment mm. and what was coming to me i was basically I had a feeling that something is starting and that something is not even new. I feel like what happened with this, you know, PFP hypes back in the days starts happening in Solana hmm. system, but it, it looks like it, it, the, do it's the same way like i don't see anything new like i haven't explored it yet i need to actually go and and check it out but like the 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 tone of voice the language the style of the messages what people are talking about and how like you know that whole hype around the mint and sort of being fast and not getting in and the whole thing yeah. and then the reveal etc it feels like oh i've seen this before and it's it was exactly this way so I don't know, like, you know, were people nostalgic and wanted it once again and kind of moved to another chain to do the same thing and rinse, repeat, and, you know, they didn't have a chance here. Now maybe they have a chance there. Like, what is happening there? I think... I don't think people... I, I, I think people really like the, the sort of 10K collection model um, because they're like many... It's like a mini stock market, you know, it's like it's, you're you're able to, you know potentially make some money maybe maybe lose some money you know like and and the the best speculation is where the most volatility is or or where the most action is and yeah. that's normally where the most liquidity is and solana recently well last i think last year it went up a whole bunch and then it went down to like yeah. five bucks or something crazy and then now it's like over a hundred again or something i can't, can't remember exactly what is that which meant means that a lot of people that were accumulating solana throughout 2023 all of a sudden just like have all this money you know like have all this kind of spare cash whereas maybe people would already spend a lot of their money their eth on on nfts because nfts are big in, on eth and so i think maybe you know people just started looking at the solana chain as a as a as a source of more liquidity than ethereum and started launching on there and then all of a sudden that just kind of caused a a chain reaction, and then people went from there. I mean, same thing happened with audit ordinals on Bitcoin. Yeah, um, I think it's just like you know, the, it's it's you know, I think someone described it once as like the chains are like countries, right, or like or, or cities where like you can launch your product in different cities or countries or whatever, and like the the markets may be less exhausted by what's gone on. If you know, maybe they find a that there'll be new people there. There'll be some people that move on to there because you know they trade some fiat or, or or ethereum for solana or whatever but i think largely it's like so, some people just stay, stick to one chain i mean a lot of people are just chain maxis you know so go on like yeah. down on solana or or um which is another community cultish type of thing right yeah. like coin yeah. maxis are very extreme for example everyone yeah. everyone loves backing a team and everyone loves being right you know um, yeah, that is true. And, and everyone is uh, super smart when they make money and not lucky, but just smart. Yeah. And then when it doesn't work out, it's not about them. It's about the market. It's, yeah. Of course. That's of how course, it works, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, there's, a, there's a word for it, but I can't remember it. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I do often, I do often think about it. It's easy, it's easy, easy to talk shit about people who, who have done very well, but like thinking about the people that bought a bunch of Bitcoin, like at the, in the very beginning. Where you're like, did you spend your like deposit on you know this magical internet money that like was worth nothing at the time because you were smart or because you were an idiot? And to be honest, it doesn't matter because they're probably like they're probably worth hundreds of millions now. So like they can you know you can <laughs> they, you can kind of see them however you want. But like it's 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 such a it's such an interesting thing. And it's the same with like stock markets and and various other things. But like it's it's one, of the, more, it's, well. <laughs> one of the more extreme cases because it's. You know, people made so much money. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that thing. Like it's 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 a little bit like very often it has a bit of gambling flavor to it, right? Mm. Because like you know, it's it's it 
it's very similar in a sense that you get in, you start trying it out and, and you stay as long as it works. And then you start kind of, you know, putting your stakes higher and higher and higher. And then that's the time when it doesn't work anymore. And then like that, that whole piled up sort of thing just collapses. Right. So I feel like, yeah, there is a bit of psychological thing to this whole thing as well and in terms of how we approach this because it is tempted like I, I know exactly I, I have fallen for that as well so I know exactly how the FOMO works so I know exactly mm. like but at one point when that happens like your brain completely shuts off right and everything that you maybe even yourself told others or you know you knew for sure it just you can't control it it's just you know when things are too hyped and you know the FOMO is too real sometimes it happens you fall for it as well and yeah. now imagine if you're in it all the time and you keep falling for it over and over again, then obviously like it, it is, it is very risky, right? Because that, that's yeah. all thing compounds and, and, and multiplies. So, so yeah, but yeah, I guess I would like to, to finish with a more positive <laughs> <laughs> note to this whole thing because we got too much into a bit of like but but yeah obviously it's not only about speculation lots of people are building tons of interesting things and from the nft side i personally am super excited and interested in the art part of it and the artists because we we mentioned a little bit about the royalties and and yes the projects kind of for the for projects, it was a, a big loss in a sense, especially with these big volumes of secondary markets and stuff like that. But when you look at the artists, I think it was way bigger blow to the artists because, you know, that was in, in many cases, that was their main sort of revenue stream because they, mm. they just create art. They can't really go ahead and do these pivots that projects are, you know, able to do that. So, so for them, it was a bit harder, but, but they still, I, I feel, I see them coming back now that the things got warmed up as well and they keep creating. And I think it's, it's beautiful and it's something that, you know, another thing to look into, obviously, like maybe not so financially viable, but, but on the other hand, you're going to have a very beautiful wallet, right? So, you know, mm. it's a. Uh, Maybe it's worth it still. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's what the whole space was built on, right? I mean, that's how I discovered it. it was It was interesting, actually. Like, as, as someone running an animation studio, like, we all of a sudden saw, and like a lot of other studios saw, where there were so many artists that just like quit, like the industry. And they were like, we're on our team. We're like, and, like, it was almost like F you. Like, like we're, we're, we're off now. Like, we're making all this money. And it was sad to see it decline you know like i think a lot of people kind of realized that it wasn't going to be forever but for a while like a lot of a lot of really good artists were making good money and i think that that's brilliant because digital wide always been free it always has been like on instagram whatever yeah and underappreciated right no one really yeah. took it that seriously like you wouldn't see it in galleries you wouldn't see anyone sort of you know taking it seriously it was always kind of a second rate stuff and you know digital artists weren't real artists and that that was the perception back in the days right so yeah. at least that shifted a little bit and then to exactly. get big players look into it yeah, I guess we can finish up with, I, I don't like predictions because I don't think any of us can give any predictions anyway. We don't really know what's going to happen, but like maybe like hope, like what would you like to see in the future in this space? How you would like it to to change or become like, what are you hoping for in here? Yeah, I think like, I mean, based on like, based around what we what we talked about and like the speculation and stuff, yeah, I think like I mean, it's worth mentioning that like, I really like the speculation. Like I'm a DJ and just like, you know, a lot of other people in the space and like, you know, I'll, I get hyped up and buy something and, you know, lose money or get, you know, make some money or whatever. Like, I think that's brilliant. That's, that's kind of what makes this space fun for most, well, for a lot of people. Mm, yeah. But I think that there needs to, like a hope for the future is like, it's finding more of like finding more value that is not just financial value, like finding more value, like, of the community of involvement of like storytelling or, or whatever it might be like yeah. what people have with, 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 with sports, for example, like finding, yeah. finding more of that. And then I'd say, I mean, I'll be very interested in seeing what, um, what happens with AI and blockchain. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm super interested in, in AI as a technology. Like, I think, I think, you know, people are, a lot of people are right. Like, 
right to be scared of it but i think also at the same time like it's it's i find it really important to kind of stay in tune with it and seeing what's going on with it and like how we can utilize it yeah <clears throat> i think that one of the big risks with ai is like misinformation and like identity theft and all these kind of things and honestly just feels like such a great match for blockchain because if you you know if you're in a position where, you know you could already like this could this could all be ai like it very easily could like could be replicated by ai this 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 podcast right you know like it's it's the tools are getting so good and how do you authenticate yeah. what's real and what's not and how do you authenticate that the person is who they say they are and blockchain is the perfect way of of, of proving that you know and i think yeah I think yeah it's the online identity is is blockchain backed identities it is, yeah. I mean, it is scared, scary to some extent because, like, a few few weeks ago, Mark Schaefer has a podcast, a really cool podcast on marketing called Marketing Companion, and he had COVID, and he lost his voice and he couldn't record his episode. So he used AI tools to train his voice to the thing and and you know and recorded the episodes that way. It was so scary that it felt so real. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a bit off, but like slightly, you would maybe yeah. think like he, he, he wasn't in his regular mood or something, but like the voice itself, like it was, I, I was like really amazed to see how it worked and yeah. also scared at the same time because content creators, like we have tons of stuff out there, right? Like I've been podcasting since 10 years, like, you know, in terms of training my voice, like mm. there are like, I don't know, hundreds of hours of my voice out there for free yeah. in, in, in all these places, right? So And then it's then the, 30 seconds. Yeah. And and then you can pretty much do anything you want with it. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, but then on the other hand, like what do you do? Like you don't stop I, first of all, it's too late already. It's been out yeah. there already. But second, like what what is the solution? Like you can't stop and doing all of it like because you're scared or whatever so i guess at one point i was like oh my god this is scary and then i'm like okay you know can you do anything about it at this point no then let's just move on and just carry on with our lives (laughs) yeah i think i think like i think from my point of view and certainly from like an artistic point of view we're in a position now where like you can create any art you know within a click of a finger right you and we're very close to being at a point where you can create any animation or video or whatever i mean you already kind of can and i think instead of kind of looking at it as the enemy looking at looking at it as how can i add value to this like how how can i create something with this that didn't exist before yeah. or or couldn't exist before and why yeah. how can i create something that someone should watch when they could just what make it themselves or whatever and i think that's it's 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 the same as when like CGI and post production came to movies. It's like, yeah, like obviously people don't the, the the set making isn't much of a thing anymore or whatever. But like, look at the movies you can make now. It's like it's so much yeah. bigger and more than what you could do. And so that's my hope is that, of course, there's going to be some disruption across the board. But like, imagine what the future will look like and what we're all going to all going to be capable of. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, you know, I have an absolutely no no problem with, you know, using AI for art as long as they disclose it, right? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you use AI and then pretend it was yourself, like it kind of, you know, doesn't really look nice. But other than that, I, I think, yeah, as you said, it's it's going to be, I think there will be this this whole kind of merging of formats, right? It's it's kind of gonna be like cross-board and multi-format thing. Because I remember when I was experimenting with NFTs using my fiction. And obviously mm. I, I'm like, you know, I'm not a visual person. So mm. you know, I, I just had the words and I had my voice and I could narrate them. But like you want something more, right? And then I started collaborating with musicians and with animators and we would put together certain and they would ask me like what category is it what is it and i'm like well i don't know like i'm calling it digital storytelling but it's a bit of everything because it has all these different elements and it's not only Mm -hmm. one thing and i can't do it myself right but now with the ai probably i can do it myself now at this Mm -hmm. point right so it's 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 i think it's also kind of going to bring in new formats and new models Mm -hmm. and new ways of doing things and new type of artists who can combine it all into one sort of you know story so at the end the high level all it will be will be about stories and then different ways of how you tell those stories i guess 
Exactly. So, and and, uh, yeah. and I, I just think of all the voices that would never have been heard if if it wasn't for technology like this because they they don't have a, a format to be able to like show that show off their ideas. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, and no gatekeepers. Like there are there are loads of artists whose art is not sort of commercially viable or acceptable by critics and all that stuff. So they would never ever be in any galleries, and we would never even know that they existed because they had zero chance of you know being allowed to showcase their art. And mm. here now with NFTs, you can pretty much like see this whole diverse sort of you know group of different type of styles that you never even thought it existed. I, I end up seeing stuff that I've never seen before every single time and that makes it exciting. So so yeah, good luck with the storytelling journey. I, I'm I'm you know I'm following closely. It's interesting to see how it's gonna unravel. And and yeah, thank you so much for your time and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That's all that I've got for you today. If you want more of my content, please check out my newsletter at anialexander.com backwards slash subscribe. And I'll see you in the next episode.